This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells. I'm Jay White. Fun show coming up today. Uh, we are expecting uh, Steve Gent, the tournament director from the Sanderson Farms uh, Championship, coming up soon on the program. Also later on, Hunter McIntyre, the head football coach at Sharky Issaquina Academy. Uh, Sharky Issaquina is part of the MAIS's eight-man football league. Eight-man aside, uh, on a regulation size field, and uh, I've, I, I'm, I've, I'm friends with guys who've been coaches on some teams in that league. Uh, actually, uh, Dr. Stewart, who hosts Southern Remedy Kids and Teens right after us. He has a son that's a starter, a starting uh, player on a team that plays in the eight-man league. And, uh, boy, it is it is exciting action. Uh, there are fewer players to occupy the space. And so, uh, as you might expect... Angles mean more. Tackling means more. Missed tackles hurt worse. Uh, and uh, uh, keeping contained is a, <laughs> just as important, if not more. And, uh, man, you miss a tackle or you miss an angle and a guy's off to the races and he's got a bunch of acreage in front of him because there's fewer guys to run him down. It's a lot of fun. You see a lot of high-scoring games. I did see a 22-12 to game last week, which is just – that is bizarre low for the the eight man league, but it's a lot of fun. It's been going on for almost ten years now. Uh, a really cool initiative from uh, the Mississippi Association of Independent Schools to allow uh, some of their schools that are smaller uh, don't have enough uh, kids or enrollment to have a full eleven man team to still be able to participate and offer their kids. Uh, their students the opportunity to take part in uh, varsity football yeah i can't wait to talk to him about this uh jay we were talking about it yesterday it's kind of a little bit like arena football but without the without the uh bouncing off of things <laughs> and just yeah and just no retaining wall on the yeah. outside and the field's a little bit bigger but no outside of that goal post whoo i call hey, I, and I've, I've called it uh, football and skates uh a lot of times because uh you do get guys uh that can, especially if you've got a team you know, with really good athleticism, uh, <laughs> they, they yeah, can it's... run some points up there really quickly. Uh, some, other, some other stuff, interesting things. Of course, the Sanderson Farms Championship is going on at the Country Club of Jackson this week. It is Mississippi's pro sports, Sam. It's a, a thing I think a lot of people across the state are, are very excited about. Uh, it is, I know we have a, uh, a Legends Tour tournament on the Mississippi Gulf Coast also. Uh, this is a, a, a legit PGA uh, championship tournament. Uh, very excited that uh, just a couple years ago they were able to find a new home in the uh, Country Club of Jackson. And uh, also, very interesting note that's just come up in the last couple of days or so, a release that they put out that uh, um, they have added a new wrinkle to the tournament each year. The winner of the Mississippi State Am. Yeah, that's going to be great. Uh, we'll earn a spot in the Sanders Farm Championship. Ah, it's a man, double motivation yeah, now. For sure. And, uh, yeah, they got a lot. there's a lot of uh, past major champion, uh, champion winners in this uh, in this year's field as well. And uh, it should be a great tournament. We can't wait for uh, to talk to Steve Jen. He should be calling us momentarily. So everyone 
be patient. Yeah, it's and it's a, it is a historic tournament. It's been in Mississippi for a long time. Uh, started in Hattiesburg. Um, <laughs> a lot of different uh, interesting sponsors, including uh, Deposit Guarantee at one time, which yeah. I may or may not have been a member of that bank at one point. But uh, <laughs> you've been a member just about every bank. I, that that is true. Uh, coming up a little bit a little bit later in the show, uh, Sam and I are going to unleash a new uh, segment upon you, Got onto you, uh, called the minutes. And basically, what we what we're doing is uh, keeping track of the notes from sports around the state of Mississippi and the South and some national stuff. We try to uh, do uh, you know, five, six, seven uh, quick questions or statements and have uh, about a 30-minute, 30, 30, oh boy, yeah, Yo. you said it, 30-second 30, 30 hot take uh, from each of us on uh, each different topic. And we would uh, love your feedback. Sam is on Twitter at Sam E. Wells. And I am on Twitter at J White Sports, J A Y White Sports. Going to do some picks a little bit later on. Of course, we've got the World Series going on right now. Ooh-wee. Sam is very excited. The Cubs drew blood in the World Series for the first time since the 1940s last night. Yeah, uh, actually, a little bit of a Mississippi note. The last pitcher before last night, uh, Jake Arrieta, of course, gets the win for the Cubs as they defeated Cleveland 5-1. The last pitcher to get a win in a World Series game for the Chicago Cubs was a Millsaps graduate. A Millsaps major, that's so, right. Uh, the, the the state of Mississippi is everywhere. Another <laughs> crazy tie to Mississippi sports in one of the most uh, historic uh, World Series that people will probably remember for a long time. And also... Uh, Chris Coughlin, former Ole Miss Rebel, has been, been playing. Yeah, he got the start in game one of the World Series. Uh, didn't, it, yeah, nah, didn't do that great, but uh, <laughs> nobody really did uh, for the for the Cubs uh, uh, that night. But, yeah, Jay, the uh, the Millsaps uh, College Twitter account tweeted this out earlier this week. Fun fact, the last Chicago Cubs starting pitcher to win a World Series game was Millsaps alum Claude Passieu. He got a Bachelor of Science in 1932. How about that? From Millsaps College in Jackson. So, that's pretty crazy. Of course, Dizzy Dean pitched a lot of games for the Cubs in the World Series in the 30s. And uh, like you said, Chris Coughlin is on the team. And uh, and we uh, we got tied up. We were trying to get Mickey Callaway earlier this week, but he's also the pitching coach for the Indians. That's right, former Ole Miss Rebel uh, who uh, pitched for Ole Miss in the 1990s. Very interesting. Also, later on we'll have uh, the picks toward the end of the show and some interesting games we're looking at, Auburn and Ole Miss and I think Auburn is just a five-point favorite. I don't understand it at all, but Vegas always knows something. So uh, Florida Gators and Georgia playing this weekend. Clemson's going to be at Florida State. Of course, we got some big games uh, here in-state, including Horn Lake and uh, number one Tupelo's 9-0. and Warren Central uh, with the big win last week, knocking off Clinton. They'll be at Starkville. Now, if Starkville loses that game, y'all, they kinda, they, they, they'll have their uh, a back-against-the-wall game next week versus Clinton. It's not the place you want to be, but, I mean, Starkville could just as soon win both of those games. That's as good as they are. It's just a really tough region. George County and St. Martin playing down on the coast, a big game for both of those teams in what has been a wacky region for uh, Grenada at Vicksburg also with a lot on the line. And then Northwest Rankin and Madison Central. It's not often that these two neighbors on opposite sides of the Spillway Drive on the Ross Barnett Reservoir have a lot to play for when they get up, get up against each other. Usually one or the other is hot. This year, both are in the top 10 
and they'll play tomorrow night as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Steve Gent is on the show with us now. He's the uh, the tournament director for the Sanderson Farms Championship starting. Uh, it's been going, all of the festivities have been going on through the week. The tournament proper starts uh, started this morning and going through the weekend. Steve, thank you for uh, coming back on the show. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Second year at the Country Club of Jackson. I know last year had to move quickly all through the course of the calendar year to get a lot of things in place. How has that changed this year, and how has that uh, enabled you to better prepare uh, to to put on the best show possible this week? Well, it's actually our third year out here, although I know with the rain last year, everyone might want to forget that year. But um, <laughs> I can guarantee you Peter Malnati, uh, who's our defending champion, had a great time. Um, you know, I would tell you that our our staff works 51 weeks of the year for this one year. And, you know, we actually start the tournament build-out about six weeks ago. And so it's, it, you know, it's a year-long process, and we've actually already started taking, having some conversations about how we're going to tweak for 2017. So, you know, from an operational standpoint, you know, the build-out and the, and the volunteers and everything down to tickets and credentials, we, we start, we'll clean up a little bit this next couple of weeks and do some finances and, and uh, get going back again on next year. So uh, we're, uh, we're re- we were ready to go when the gates opened yesterday morning and, and when we had the program on Monday. And that's it. It goes you goes to show you how time flies. I can't believe this has been the third year that it's at the Country Club already. That is completely shocking. Yet I've been here for the whole thing. So uh, it just goes to show you I should do more research. But uh, each year the tournament continues to improve in terms of where it sits within the schedule and how it works out uh, in the within the the time frame for players. And for television, tell us about how you guys have, have worked on that and how the players have responded this year with the, the, the field that you've built. Well, we, we moved up a week in the schedule. Uh, we, we were also played at the same time as, as the World Golf Championship that's going on in China. So we're, we're tied to their date as well. So their, uh, their date moved up a week, so we move up a week, which actually was a huge benefit for us in a lot of ways. Moving up a week, almost 10 days, gets us into warmer, drier weather. Uh, and more importantly, though, it, it gets us ahead of daylight savings time. So dark at 6 o'clock feels a whole lot better than dark at 5 o'clock. And <laughs> you know, tea times don't have to be at 6.15 in the morning. This morning, we, the first tea time went off at, went off at 7.20. So those, those changes are, are really, really important changes for us. But from a field standpoint, I think, you know, we've gotten some great reviews from the player and I think the field's just going to continue to get better and better each year as the word spreads how really how good this golf course is and how great these facilities are. Um, the player, I can just tell you from to a man, the players this week have just have uh, one very thankful and, and just very complimentary of everything that they've seen since they've been here. Uh, let me ask you, have the players, I know a lot of players, there are some players that have played this year after year after year, and it is one of their favorite events to do, one of their favorite places to come. Of course, uh, you know, the the hospitality here is amazing, uh, as you might expect. But uh, having played this in the blazing heat of the summer uh, in past seasons, have players... Uh, come to you and and said, man, oh man, how, how awesome is this that you get to have your tournament uh, in in the area still, but in as you just mentioned, a, a much more tolerable weather situation. In fact, a, a, an almost perfect weather situation. Yeah, I mean it's it's great for the players. I, I tell you, 
the caddies appreciate it uh, maybe as much or more than they do. They're you know, they're uh, they're lugging around that staff bag around the golf course too. But yes, we I've heard a lot of comments from players. Oh man, how great is this weather in the fall? Um, you know, it's the the golf course from a from a from a conditioning standpoint is is just perfect, and uh, they they really enjoy it. I mean, and this is Joe Sanderson's and Sanderson Farms' fourth year's title sponsor, so. His first year, you're right, it was hot. Uh, we had a little cold snap his second year, so he's had cold. Last year with the rains, he's had wet. So hot, cold, wet, we were due for warm. He's earned it. And, uh, yeah, we earned it. looks like we got it. All right, so uh, one of the things that Sam showed me yesterday, and this is an awesome thing, the winner of the State Am uh, will earn a spot in the 2017 Sanderson Farms Championship. How did you guys come about that? That's that's a really awesome thing. Well, you know, we, we took a look at – where we kind of stood in the schedule and, and the fact that obviously Mississippi's a, a, a small community and a smaller size market. And we really wanted to do something to support the, the Mississippi amateur history. And we've had a, we've had a lot of folks in the last few years saying, are you going to put this amateur in? There's some great Mississippi juniors and Mississippi amateurs right now. And really wanted to support that event and help that event grow um, just because it was the right event to do, right thing to do for the state. So uh, we wanted to get ahead of it and announce it so that players could prepare for it, and it's something that they can use to build on throughout the year. And I think it's going to make their field better. I think they're going to get a phenomenal champion that's going to come out of that, and a, a worthy person to put in our field. So I think it's, I think it's just the right thing to do to have a great Mississippi amateur, um, you know, represent the state in the PGA Tour event that's played in our state. Absolutely gives the, the the hometown folks or the home state folks somebody to cheer for, maybe to keep an extra eye on, and then uh, like, yeah, like you mentioned, that's State Am now. Uh, business just picked up with regard to the chase for that championship. Steve, Absolutely. let let that's folks our, that's our plan. Yeah, yeah, let let folks know if they haven't got involved yet, um, what all they can do at the golf course. It's more than just watching a golf tournament. If you haven't been there. First off, you have to go. It is it's, it's a, a an amazing good time, especially with the great weather. Uh, tell folks how they can get involved, how they can how they can go, how they can buy tickets, and what all they can do when they get there. Yeah, it's you know what we want to do is we want to be not just a golf term, but we want to be an event. We want to be the place to be this week in Mississippi. So we've kept it affordable. Daily tickets are twenty five dollars. That includes your parking at North Park Mall. And youth ages 17 and under can get, can get in free with a ticketed adult. So a family of four can come out of here for $50. It, I, wow. I'm telling you, it cost me $50 to go to the movies the other night. So all day long, out on the golf course, a family of four, very affordable. Uh, the, the great folks at Mack Hike this year have uh, helped us sponsor an area to the uh, left of the 18th fairway called the Mack Hike Tailgate, where they've got a couple cool Dodge Ram trucks, but more importantly, we've got a uh, – 40 by 60 foot open air tent with a nine by 16 foot jumbotron. And what we're saying to everybody is we're going to embrace the football culture, come out and have a tailgate at the Sanderson Farms championship. We're going to show football all day, Saturday and Sunday, great chicken specials, wings on the weekend and uh, have a lot of fun out there. And then you've got the bank plus fan pavilion, which is almost sold out on the 12th green. It's an upgraded hospitality ticket and it's a great views of the 12th and 13th greens. And then a couple other things we're, we want to do to honor a couple groups. We've got a military outpost on the 10th green where active retired reserves and veterans are going to be treated to a free 
uh, lunch served by different restaurants the next few days oh, wow, as well yeah. as a beverage service. So it sits right on the 10th green, close to the clubhouse, par three. And then finally, uh, the, the, we've got some everyday heroes in our community that we just really wanted to honor. So police, fire, EMT, and 911 dispatchers, they and a guest get in free to the tournament. They just have to show their identification at roll call. And we want those folks just, you know, it's our way of saying thanks for what you do for us on a daily basis. Come out to the tournament, you and a guest for free. So we're trying to do a little bit for everybody out here. And then, you know, for the diehard golfers, man, we got a great tournament, great course, and a great field. Absolutely. And then I, I don't want to end our conversation without talking about uh, what the tournament does in terms of charity for uh, uh, any number of, of people across the state of Mississippi. Yeah, and that's why we do it. I mean, we Century Club Charities is a host organization, and, and we put this tournament on for charity. Joe Sanderson is one of the reasons why he just last year we announced a new 10-year extension that runs through 2026. It's all about the Mississippi charities. Our primary charity is Friends of Children's Hospital, a great organization whose efforts benefit uh, Batson Children's Hospital. And so, you know, that's our primary charity. Last year we did $1.1 million, uh, to that organization, and we hope to blow that away this year if possible. And then we give another about $400,000 to about 63, 64 other charities throughout the state of Mississippi. So we're trying to, you know, our goal is to impact charity in our state uh, to the best, you know, to the greatest extent that we can. Steve, man, thank you so much for your time again, and and all the best this weekend. Looks like it's going to be a great time and and, uh, not much to worry about, uh, too much, I I suppose, in terms of the weather. Didn't want to jinx it, but I believe in you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like we said, you've earned the good weather, and I know folks are going to enjoy it. Well, thanks very much. Uh, We're... Today's 20% chance of rain, which is 80% chance of sunshine. So uh, <laughs> everything looks great, 87 the next few days, and we're looking forward to seeing everybody out here. All right. Thanks Thanks a lot for coming on. Uh-huh, That's thank uh, you. Steve Gent, Tournament Director, Sanderson Farms Championship, going on Country Club of Jackson uh, right now uh, through the weekend. Should be a lot of fun. And like you said, man, under 17, free with a ticketed adult, $50, get a family of four in. Very, very nice. It's pretty good. Uh, we won't, won't, get, won't get you to an NFL game. Won't get you to a won't Mississippi get you State or an Ole Miss game either. <laughs> right. And, it and it'll barely get you parked in Oxford. Right. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll keep it going a little bit later on in the show. We're going to have Hunter McIntyre, uh, the head football coach at Sharky Issaquina Academy, talk a little eight-man football as we get near the uh, high school football playoffs. With Sam Wells, I'm Jay White. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio. Listen to stories and shows. Go to mpbonline.org. Welcome back. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells. I'm Jay White. Uh, coming up, the you know the high school football playoffs are almost here. And, I can't uh, believe that. Can't believe it. Excuse me. Had to uh, clear the throat there. Uh, Time flies, Sam, man. It, it does. Football season, the anticipation for it is way too long, and then the season goes way too fast. Yeah, it's like a blink of an eye. It is. It really is. And Sam and I were trying to find a really uh, an interesting angle, one that we have not talked about um, enough. With the playoffs coming up, 
Sam thought about eight man football. Hadn't, they hadn't talked about it at all. We right. Hadn't, talk, about this. hadn't talked about it this year. We have we've had people on in the yeah. past. And um, you know, at, it is a lot of fun. I talked about it earlier. It's a, a really great initiative the MAIS brought on well, just about uh, well, nearly about uh, 10 years ago now. We're going to speak with uh, Hunter McIntyre, who is uh, the head football coach at Sharkey Issaquina Academy. Coach, uh, good, uh, good morning to you. How are you? Doing good. How are you all doing? Doing well. Appreciate your time. Uh, this is, tell us, I just want to know, I, I love speaking with guys who were coaching in the eight-man league. I've, I've had friends who coached on some teams in the eight-man league in the past, and I always love to just pick their brains because – while it is like 11-man football, there are some things that make it much, much different. Sam and I were talking earlier. It's about, you know, if you take a bad angle, you're dead. If you miss a tackle, you're dead. As a coach, right. how do you prepare for those just those tiny little things that can make a, a, a way big difference in eight-man football? Well, for us, the biggest thing is, you know, alignment. If we can, If we can get our guys lined up right, a lot of times they can get to the place we want them to get to and make the play. But, I mean, it's as little as something as your defensive tackle lines up in the wrong gap and it opens up, mm. you know, a world of hurt for you on the defensive side because then it's the whole field's open if one guy's not in the right spot. So for us, it's, you know, trying to play, you know, discipline, discipline alignment, you know, discipline gaps, things like that. But, what it really comes down to in eight man is if you've got speed on defense, you can you can do a lot of things. That speed really really helps you you know cover that field. Yeah, coach, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Canadian football game where the field is so right. the fields are so wide and so big, so speed and uh, and things like that are so much more magnified in uh, in your in the eight man game. It, it, are, are there any rule differentiations from uh, from regular eleven man football, or or are they all pretty much the same? Uh, most most everything's the same. The, uh, you get five people on the line of scrimmage and three in the backfield. Is uh, you know your alignment difference, and uh, the main the main difference is the last two people on the line of scrimmage, your last guys on the end of the line of scrimmage are eligible. So that uh-huh. can be it doesn't matter what their number is. It can be any number. Mm. So that's that's the main difference, and that's the the defensive part where it's hard to to defend that is you've you know you got to know who's on who's off your your defensive backs have to be paying attention you know your linebackers have to be paying attention if you want to you can open up your guard your guard or your center you know could be eligible for a pass by you know your alignment by your formation that's what makes it a little that's what makes it a little tougher on a a defensive coordinator because not only are you trying to stop a regular football play now you got to figure out this play where the guard's going to run out for a pass too. Oh, oh my! I can't even imagine eight man fantasy football would be very annoying. <laughs> exactly, it's a it's a lot of points. <laughs> yeah, you could you could have everybody on your team get a touchdown <laughs> for your fantasy team. Oh my goodness! You just mentioned something. Uh, you, you know, it's a headache for your defensive coordinator. I I know you know in 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 the eleven man game. You know, you give up sometimes forty fifty points. You know, you have bad weekend. Uh, you know, maybe maybe your boss gets into you a little bit. Uh, right. You know, let, let's look for some things. Let's look for some ways to get better. You know, sometimes you can give up 60, 70 points and still win in these games. It happens a lot for folks who don't see these scores very often. It does. Uh, how, how much 
you know, sometimes you just got to smile and laugh. But, I mean, how much can you get on your defensive coordinator when things go well, sideways? I'm telling you, man, that's the thing. You should see him on the sidelines sometimes. We'll give up a couple of big plays, and he'll be walking up and down the sidelines, ranting and raving. <laughs> you know, I'm over there just like you're talking about. I'm kind of laughing at him like, I mean, everybody was in position. We missed a, you know, we missed a tackle. We missed one tackle. Yeah. And, you know, here they are and they're scoring. But, you know, we got to turn around and do the same thing on offense. You know, you feel like it's a lot easier on your offense because you get so many more open spaces to go to. You know, so he's over there ranting and raving, you know, complaining, and I'm over there happy as can be because I'm <laughs> scoring, you know, every possession just as well. <laughs> well, let me ask you, so you know, a, I, I, a lot of times we talk about you know places like Bassfield uh, or or some some teams that dominate in one A, and it's like, well, how does a place uh, where the enrollment is as small as it is, where you're going to be turning your roster over in chunks, how do those programs stay um, so competitive year after year? And you guys at Sharky and Sequini have been able to been able to do that play for the title, I think, three times, won it back to back a couple years ago. And yeah. and I'm looking at what you got. You guys got 20 players this year on, on yeah, a team uh, where you turn so many guys over so frequently, and so many guys have to be not just important players on one side of the ball, but important players on on both sides of the ball. Obviously, how do you keep your program at such a high level? Well, what we've done in the past, you know, we really got in the weight room. We uh really got in that weight room hard the past few years and that's uh you know been able to make us better Ironman players like you said we're playing on both sides of the ball you know we've got to last but we've got to last all game so you've got to be in you know extreme shape and like you know an eight man there's so many points scored you're running up and down the field 50 60 70 yards every couple of plays you've got to be in shape <laughs> to do that kind of stuff so for us we really bent down in that weight room and you know all the all our former prep players have have really brought a pride. You know they've got a pride. They want to perform in front of the guys that you know did it before them. And you know they don't want to let them down, even though they're already gone. So that's that's one thing that's that's built for us. It's been so strong. And I think you know, like you said, in these smaller communities, I think that's what it is. You know, your your dad probably um, most of my kids' parents played for Sharky. You know, wow. years ago. So you know, that's that's one of the things they don't want to. You know, they don't want to let their parents down. They want to let the community down. You know, they've been there their whole life, and probably where they're going to end up later on in life. You know, so it's one of those kind of deals. Well, Coach uh, Sammy had one. Oh, I was just curious uh, from your program or from any of these eight man programs. Is there any names uh, that you could throw out to our listeners who uh, have gone on to Division One or, or even Division Two Delta State football and have had tremendous success uh, at another level? Well, we haven't had any lately. You know, we we actually just got into the eight man, I guess, five or six years ago, and we haven't had any. We've had some great athletes come through, you know, come through the eight man, but none that have you know gone on to the D one level and uh, and done anything out of Mississippi at least. Now there have been some, you know, out of other other places, but not out of Mississippi. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, Coach McIntyre, we certainly do appreciate it. Uh, I know uh, sitting at four and five this year, you guys are going to bounce back, though. But uh, it, it's incredible the the amount of success that you guys have been able to have. Again, when you know, I'd, I'd never thought about it until somebody, you know, a couple years ago, I think Durant won back to back one A titles, and the next year they were one and ten. And I, 
I sat in here and I was like, well, how, what, how do they just fall off the table like that? And the guy was like, well, probably, you know, 86% of their roster probably graduated last year. And that probably <laughs> exactly. means like their, their top four rushers and their quarterback and then their top six tacklers are all the same guy. And I thought, that's well, right. that's a pretty good explanation for it. <laughs> but yes, uh, uh, that's, that's what you have to deal with a lot of. Every, every now and again, you're going to get that puffy, puffy gear to you just got to grind through it and, and <laughs> hope you can – Hope you weather the storm. Yeah, well, Coach, Ed, we certainly do appreciate you coming on, and we wish you all the best going forward. We appreciate it. All right, that's Hunter McIntyre, coach at Sharky Issaquina Academy. As we mentioned, uh, a couple of uh, back-to-back eight-man titles uh, just a couple of years ago, played in the playoffs last year. I think they lost in the uh, semifinals. Uh, so uh, uh, big program in the MAIS eight-man league. And uh, I believe I should have this, and I looked it up and I just forgot. They're either starting their playoffs uh, tomorrow night or the week after. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll hear about it on Friday night under the lights tomorrow night. Yeah, you know what? A couple, Eight o'clock. Or there, 10 was, o'clock. I, there was like an 86 56 game, which is not terribly out of the ordinary last week, but there was one that was 22 to 12. And we, <laughs> the first person got the score, we we're like, what? Seriously? Was that a halftime score? Was that a first quarter <laughs> score? Are you sure that's it? I'm like, well, MAIS is tweeting that like it's a final score. I guess it is. I don't know. Maybe everybody had the flu or something. All right, I appreciate uh, Coach McIntyre for coming on. We'll be back. This is Season Pass. All right, time for a brand new segment of the show that we're calling The Minutes. All right, Sam, you ready? Yeah, let's, let's hit it. Let's get going. All right, first off, what's wrong with Ole Miss? I know this is a loaded question for you. How many let's minutes try, do we have? <laughs> we're going to try to keep each of our answers for each question to about 30 seconds. Okay. So that's, uh, I'm asking you to uh, split the atom right here. All right. Uh, well, one of, the, one of the things that's wrong with Ole Miss, and it's not that hard, uh, Ole Miss has missed uh, on recruiting a linebacker. For the last four seasons, so that is one thing that's wrong with Ole Miss. There's no linebacking depth. There's no linebacking presence in the game at all. Uh, they've also missed on a couple of safeties. I think Hartsfield's going to end up being a good safety who starts right now for the Rebels, but they have what was a four-star recruit in C.J. Hampton who has just not panned out, to be perfectly frank with uh, with our listeners and with you. Uh, and when things like that happen, Jay, you get results like you got Saturday night in Baton Rouge or the previous Saturday night in Little Rock or in uh, Fayetteville. I think that... Uh... Ole Miss is in a situation, I heard another guy on another station, I won't mention, but uh, he made a very good point, so I'm not stealing it from him. But, you know, he talked about how he thinks part of the problem with State and Ole Miss this year is that, you know, they kind of, it's almost like they're showing up or they showed up to this season and they're like, hey, we're Ole Miss. What's up? <laughs> yeah. And and I think that's kind of, that's backfired on them to a certain extent. In Mississippi, we don't have that killer underdog instinct where we have to we have to work so hard to establish ourselves every single game the last couple of years we established ourselves we're not the hunters anymore uh and i think that's kind of backfired on these two rosters maybe subconsciously this year all right sam if it continues to get worse will old miss self-impose a bowl ban i don't think so and the reason i think that is because Coaches that were named in some of this NCAA stuff still remain employed by the university. I think if there was a really big problem there, um, these coaches would not have a job anymore. 
Also, Ross Bjork was extended. Uh, his uh, contract was extended through 2020. I think if there was a huge deal with a lack of institutional control or something really bad coming down from the NCAA, that would not have happened. And I think a bowl ban, uh, a, a instituting a postseason bowl ban would, uh, in essence, admit guilt to something that I don't believe Ole Miss is ready to admit guilt Ooh, to. Very interesting. I, I, I kind of think I'm still on the fence a little bit about it, but I don't think it's totally out of play. If Ole Miss gets to four or five losses. Oh, I'm not losses, saying it's totally out of play, and they're already at four. Yeah, if, if Ole Miss gets to four, five, six losses, I don't know where they don't go ahead and, and, and jump on the idea of imposing a bowl ban. And we've seen teams in other sports do this, or schools, I should say. Yeah, North Carolina uh, basketball, for example. Yeah, and impose a bowl ban uh, to try to, and I think the NCAA is on the hunt, and they're gonna—they're not gonna stop until they find something that they can hit them with in some sort of way. This can maybe soften the blow. And if you've already missed what your expect, expectations were at the beginning of the season, and you already have a fan base that's disappointed, um, kind of why not? Might might be the answer. Go ahead and do it. And focus on next year. Okay, that's very interesting. Uh, we're we're kind of a little ways apart on that one. <laughs> Among the many things that you could point out as issues what's hurting mississippi state the worst this year i would say a lack of firepower offensively Mm -hmm. there's no one on that offensive side of the football um, that is a threat down the field on the field in the backfield anywhere on the field for mississippi state offensively you know if Ole miss gets in trouble They've got an Evan Ingram that they can lean on to throw the football to. Chad Kelly is also a player who could run the football if need be uh, to take some of the pressure off of some of the receivers who are dropping passes, say, in a game like Arkansas. There's also you know, a bevy of wide receivers that Ole Miss could throw the football to who are very heralded and who have played very well this season. Mississippi State's got Fred Ross. If they double cover Fred Ross, yeah. where are you going? That's basically, uh, that's basically it. And I think every team in the SEC, including Kentucky, is perfectly, cap- is perfectly uh, content with Mississippi State looking to find someone else other than Fred Ross. Now, State almost did it over the weekend and beat Kentucky, but uh, I think the last four games of this season are going to be very difficult. It's so difficult for Mississippi State because every week, every time they take an L, it seems like you can point the finger specifically at a different reason. Yeah. Um, but I know this, they've, they have been inconsistent uh, in almost every phase of the game from one week to the next. You know, they, they lose that game. They lose a heartbreaker to BYU. Their defense played amazing. They gave up under 300 yards in regulation, yeah. 311 total. This day and age, that's nuts. Right. I mean, if you give up 300 yards in a game, you got to win. You turn around this week and score 38 points against Kentucky, and if people are asking about the offense again, I mean, you score 38 points, you win that game. No matter who you're playing or where you're playing, you got, I mean, 38 points should be enough to win. Yeah, I agree with that. I just, you know, their defense, I mean, what they they given up six at halftime? Yeah. Just, I mean, complete inconsistency all the way around. And I'm, I'm, I've been on board with this, but now I'm tired of the we're inexperienced, we're young. How many coaches do you hear say through half of one season everybody's on board? I don't, I don't think they're inexperienced anymore. Think I took about way more State. than 30 seconds. Think about Mississippi State's defense. I'll say this real quick. Uh-huh. Uh, the exact opposite of Ole Miss. Line, man, they got Jefferson up front. He's pretty good. Rest of the line, I, I don't know. Uh, but linebacker, State is great at linebacker. I think Ole Miss would kill to have Leo Lewis and uh, and, and Richie Brown running the uh, running around in the red and blue. What's the best high school football team in the state of Mississippi right now? I think you got to look no further than Tupelo, Jay. I, I mean, I think you got to give it to them. I, you know, as much as I would love to tell you the Clinton Arrows are, uh, that whooping at Warren Central last weekend, and you got to throw them into the mix too. That whooping at Warren Central uh, kind of puts Clinton on the back 
on the back burner for a little while. Now, when the playoffs start, of course, Cam Akers and that offense will, will get geared up again. And, uh, you know, he fumbled the ball a few times against Warren Central. That will probably change uh, as well. But Tupelo is quietly putting together a really good season up in the north. Quietest 9-0 and team in yeah, the history of I high mean, school no football, right? No one is talking about them at all. <laughs> And uh, that North, that 6A North is going to be whew, it's going to be rough getting out of there. It really is. And here's the interesting thing. The team that I think is the best team right now, not the best record, but the best right now is Brandon. Uh, they were They're getting some folks back. Banged up early in the season. They're at full strength right now. And if you've seen what they've done to some of these teams, and I mean, they're, they're coasting in some of these games. They're blasting Region 3 right now. Set up for what could be a really awesome rivalry game at the end of their regular slate against Pearl, uh, who's their next door neighbor yeah. uh, geographically, and uh, could be a six and zero versus a five and one for a region title. But no, I, th- I think Brandon is the best team right now. Uh, I think Tupelo is going to go into the playoffs undefeated, uh, but that that North is going to be crazy, just like you said. But I think Brandon, I think Brandon's got a pretty clear path right now. No offense to any of the teams on the coast in Region Four are the other really good teams in Region 3, but I think Brandon's going to be waiting yeah. for whoever comes out of the North in 6A. All right, will Sean Payton be the head coach of the New Orleans Saints next season? If you're a Saints fan, I think you've got to hope no on this. Ooh. Sean Payton seems to have an inability, uh, like we just talked about with the Cubs, uh, such a versatile roster. Uh, Sean Payton seems to have an inability to be able to assist in building a roster that can compete in the NFC South, much less the entire NFC. Uh, this guy can put together a great offense. He can hand off to Fleener for a touchdown and ruin everyone's fantasy dreams of getting a <laughs> touchdown pass from Drew Brees. But he can't seem to find a semblance of a defense to stop anyone for long enough to, uh, to have this team even be able to coast in a game. They were up 21 to nothing on the Panthers, and they almost lost, Jay. Uh, the Saints need to do an entire reboot. I, I've been kind of in favor of this for a little while now, maybe a couple of seasons. I just don't, I don't think he's going to be able to get it back because he has shown no... No knowledge whatsoever how to build on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and, and he's not going to. They're not going to spend the picks or the time or the money that they need to. Uh, folks will come up with examples. It's just never developed. And there's there's no mistake that, I mean, they've sat in the 30s in defense for I don't know how many, you know, of the last 10 years. And, like, way back, 32nd a couple of times. Like, historically bad taking one of the greatest offenses of our era in the National Football League and not giving them a chance to be successful. It's got to be painful if you're a Saints fan. I think you you pin Peyton to Breeze because the door is closing on Breeze, unfortunately, but you can't let Peyton affect the next group in line. They're going to have to break this team down eventually, but you can't let Peyton affect what you do with that next group. Uh, especially with the quarterback position, because it's going to be different. There's going to be a different offense. They're not going to be able to move as fast. They're probably going to move in a different direction. All right, finally, who will start more of the remaining 10 Dallas Cowboys games? Tony Romo or Dak Prescott? This seems like a very easy question. got to be Dak, right? Oh, is it? It has to be. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you couldn't do it. I mean, if you, if you are the Cowboys and you take this guy out of the – from under center and put Tony Romo back in there. A banged up, bruised okay. up. Twitter just, Twitter just broke the news. Tony's Romo. throwing. Tony's throwing. There's no way they can take this guy out of the lineup unless he has a catastrophic Bo Wallace versus Arkansas 2014 <laughs> six interception game. <laughs> then maybe you say, eh, I don't know about this, and pull him to the side uh, and tell him, you know, another 
another couple of picks, and we're going to have to go with Tony here. And I think he he'll figure it out. But I don't see that coming from Dak, and I don't think that he's going to have a catastrophic game. They may, he may have a bad game where he throws a couple of picks, but I just don't see it happening. If they take him out of the lineup, they're fools, Jay. Fools. Now, this is interesting because uh, we're going to see what their coaching staff is made of because they got two quarterbacks right now that are good. Uh, and the problem is, is that when you have two good quarterbacks, how much pressure do you keep on number one? Just like you were saying, if Dak has a bad game, he throws two picks. Tons of quarterbacks have thrown two picks in the game. But when a guy throws two picks, he's going to have to start looking over his shoulder because he's got like a four-time pro bowler sitting over there. Uh, that's going to be very interesting. And then vice versa. If he makes the call, pulls the trigger, and throws Romo in there if Dak's having a bad game, if Romo takes off, is he the guy again until he plays badly? Uh, man. Or will, that, Romo, will Tony get hurt? Will Tony get hurt again? That's probably what will wind up. <laughs> that will be what happened. And you got to also ask yourself what they could do with Tony on the, during the offseason. I mean, there's some holes in that Cowboy team they could fill, and I'm sure a lot of teams, a lot of teams, Chicago Bears, would love <laughs> to have Tony Romo because Tony at least cares. I mean, he is the Fabergé egg, and so that's going to hurt his trade value some. But, yeah, I mean, they're the Cleveland Browns, man. Yeah, well, They've already got quarterbacks that get hurt all the time. I think the I Cleveland Browns would probably sell off part of their stadium yeah. to have uh, Tony Romo. <laughs> Browns started their sixth quarterback of the season this weekend. My fantasy team knows that. <laughs> I actually drafted, uh, uh, I can't even remember his name now, the guy from Baylor. Who oh, was that? RG3. RG3 is so long ago. Yeah, that was five quarterbacks, five quarterbacks ago. Now. ago. Yeah, I actually drafted him on one of my teams thinking he would break out this year. Oh, well. You hear that music, Sweet Home Chicago. Oh, man, this weekend's going to be live in Chicago, Jay. Yeah. Live and on time. So what do you think, man, with the World Series? Are we going to take a break right now? We're going to take a break right now. We'll talk about the series and make our picks for the weekend after we get back. We'll come back with the picks and talk about the World Series much more. This is Season Pass. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells. I'm Jay White. Now, here we go. It's time for the picks. All right, oh, first off, Sam, here we go. Auburn is at Ole Miss. Auburn 15th in the country, 5-2. and two, Leads the SEC in rushing. Ole Miss 113th against the rush in the NCAA. I love Ooh, that jam. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I, oh, but they, Ole Miss is a four-point favorite. I mean, a four-point dog, just four. I don't yeah. What? I, I, you I, know, I'm thinking anywhere between like nine and twelve would be comfortable for me, but Vegas always knows something. Yeah, are we taking this? Uh, the we're not going spread, no, are we? No, here, no, no. I'm going Auburn to win this game by ten. Um, there's no way. I've seen I saw Ole Miss live in person in Arkansas. Give up 102 yards in the first quarter to a running attack that got like five feet against Auburn's defense last week, um, <laughs> and uh, Ole Miss literally did not touch. Leonard Fournette in uh, the first three quarters of that football game. No yeah. touching. No got, touching of the hair or face. I've got Auburn, too. 
Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm wary about this one because uh, Vegas always knows something. Only a four-point difference. It started at one. It started at one. Yeah. I don't know. All right, Florida is at Georgia. It's the world's largest politically correct use of a word for outdoor cocktail party. Yes. Who do you have here? For uh, 14th-ranked Florida, 5-1. and one. Georgia's kind of struck a little bit. Florida. Because, uh, like I said, uh, Ole Miss beat Georgia by like 75 points. So um, I don't think that uh, I don't think that's going to be able to happen for for uh, for Georgia. I think I'm going to go for Georgia here. I'm going to pick Georgia. I think they're going to defend the home turf. I don't know why. I just think Georgia's going to take it here. Yeah. It's a long time ago. It's not really a home turf. It's in it's in uh, Jacksonville. Well, yeah. So they're going to defend one side of the field. Thanks. I don't know why I have Florida <laughs> at Georgia here. I know that uh, game's in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, Either way. It's been a tough day for me with the words and thinking. Clemson is at Florida State. Uh, the Tigers are 7-0, and number three in the country. Florida State 5-2, and but 2-2 two and two in the league. They're ranked 12th, best two-loss team in the country. Heard that one before. Yeah. Hey, Heard uh, last week about Ole Miss being the best three-loss team in the country. <laughs> I've got to go with Clemson because uh, I don't think Florida State's that good. So. All right, well, watch your back when you leave the studio. Yeah, Kevin, yeah. Uh, Kevin I don't wanna, right over there. I'm okay. just saying. Florida State, two and three in the league if they lose this game. Yeah. Zoinks. Yeah. I, I I think this one is not as easy as it may look Oh, I don't think paper. it'll be easy. I think this is going to be a fun game. Florida State's going to scrap. But I do think Clemson's going to find a way through, and they'll be 8-0. and oh. All right, here we go. Some some uh, high school games, a quartet of those. Uh, Horn Lake and Tupelo. Tupelo, number one. Who you got? Riding the wave, man. Tupelo. Uh, yeah, Horn Lake's been really good this year, but I think Tupelo will move out to 10-0. Warren Central at Starkville. It's, uh, it's a hard one for Starkville if they drop this one. It's going to be an uphill climb. After I saw Warren Central do what they did to my Clint Arrows last week, I got to pick the uh, I got to pick the Vikings. That was a great. Uh, that's one of Warren Central's best games since Brian Darden was there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I. Wow, I, I, I'm going to take Starkville here. I just I because they're at home because they have to, and yeah, because their backs are totally up against the wall. Uh, George County is at St. Martin. The over under on this one is about 640. <laughs> two of the highest scoring offenses offenses in the state. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, George County. All right. Well, I'll take St. Martin. Separation Thursday here on the program. <laughs> Grenada is at Vicksburg. Grenada, another good season. Vicksburg coming back strong this year. Eight and two Gators, seven and two Chargers. I'm picking Grenada because my uh, one of my buddies from Ole Miss is from Grenada. All right. That's the only thing I know about either one of these teams. <laughs> well, I'll take Vicksburg because they're at home. <laughs> okay. And then finally, the battle for the reservoir. The Northwest Rankin Cougars. At the Madison Central Jaguars, both in the uh, Clarion-Ledger Super 10, uh, facing off against each other. Rare when they are both going hot at the same time. Yeah. This one's going to be a lot of fun. I Madison think. Central takes it. I'll take Northwest Rankin. Right. I don't know. At this point, it's just the uh, the object of picking against you. That's yeah. all I have. Well, there you go. World right. Series, man. Your Cubs drew first blood. Finally. Well, they drew second blood. Uh, they, they, drew, <laughs> they drew blood for the first time since the 40s yeah. last night. Who do you have in the World Series? I got Homer? the Cubs uh, in five, man. Oh, I'm going to wrap it serious? up Sunday night. Not so, going to uh, lose another game, huh? I don't think so. I don't think so. If they keep the offense going the way that they are, and Jason Hayward catching balls and not batting, everything will be rosy for the Cubs. <laughs> we'll, DH for the right fielder. Uh, yeah, we might have the pitcher hit. We may have uh, Dr. Jim Hurd on next week to talk about the amazing uh, robot that is uh, Kyle Schwarber as well. There you go. I'm I'm going to take the Cubs. I'll say it is in six. I think Cleveland gets one more before it's all said and done. Our thanks to Steve Gent from the Sanderson Farms Championship. Go see that this weekend. And Coach Hunter McIntyre from Sharky Issa Aquina Academy. We'll see you next week on Season Pass.